Welcome back to the Soul Notification Podcast. I'm your host, Mary. And today with me, I have a very special guest. Today, I have my friend, my dear friend and hypnotherapist, Aaron Justice. He's a clinical, transpersonal, and interpersonal hypnotherapist with four diplomas from the renowned Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy. And in addition to this, he's also a certified addiction and recovery specialist, breathwork facilitator, and meditation teacher. And he's also very passionate about helping other people heal, grow, and transform spiritually, just like all the other guests I've had on my podcast, also mentally, emotionally, and physically. He's based in Los Angeles, California, and St. Petersburg, Florida. He's been all over the place. And Aaron's private practice can also be in person as well as fully online, which I was blessed to experience today. And he currently serves clients all over the world. So with that, I think it's just so special to have him here. He's dedicated in the awakening and healing of humanity as I am. So I'm absolutely honored to not only come across his work, but also experience his hypnotherapy session myself, as well as my husband, who's gotten a little dose of that as well. Aaron just helps you compassionately and gently unpack your traumas that are deep in our subconscious minds. And I know that we all need this work one way or another. So Aaron, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a long awaited time for us to talk. So I'm just really happy. Thank you. Me too. Thank you. Um, like you said, this has been a very long awaited talk. And as you know, I've been a fanboy of your show since day one, uh, when I came across it through a mutual teacher of ours online. And it's one of the best spiritual podcasts online. And I'm a podcast junkie. So uh, it's been an absolute honor and pleasure listening and learning from your show over three seasons now. Wow. And it's just, I'm grateful. And I thank you. It's such an honor to actually be here. Well, thank you for that. I feel very honored that you have listened to probably most of my podcast episodes and have been a loyal fan. So very grateful to have people like you to be so loyal with my podcast and my work and makes me feel confident to keep continuing this work. And so I want to get right into it. What is hypnotherapy for people who haven't heard of hypnotherapy before? And out of all the different modalities, because we know there's hundreds in personal development, why hypnotherapy and how did you get here? The real answer could unfold in a series of stories, but for the sake of brevity and time here, um, we'll just address hypnotherapy first. In kind of layman's terms, hypnotherapy is just a process of therapy, a therapeutic process that utilizes the power of hypnosis in order to engage with one's subconscious mind, to deal with states, other altered states of consciousness uh, that are super relaxed, yet very focused, open to suggestibility. And since it opens up to the subconscious mind, is uh, ideal for accessing that mind, that part of the mind that we don't often access, and for healing and growth and development. And yeah, so that's kind of a general idea, yeah. if that helps at all. I actually kind of want to get into this on what led you, well, I'm sure there's many things that have led you to this moment of serving clients and getting into the hypnotherapy sessions, but did you always have like this calling to be a hypnotherapist or is this something that just kind of came out of nowhere, kind of hit you like a brick wall in the face and something that you just were inclined to explore? Broad answers to that. But to get into, you know, like this word calling, you know, what does, what does that even mean for individual people? You know, I can look at my journey and the answer up front is no. I was on a completely different life journey and I was living in Los Angeles and running businesses and I was in the arts and entertainment industry and doing things with that on a completely separate path. But if you look back, I studied psychology in college. I've had people say things to me about psychology and therapy and this over the years, even, you know, my own parents talked about it and tried to get me to take this route. And of course, me being 
the stubborn young man that I was, I wanted to be an, an artist and go that route, which I still do. I still write. I'm still a writer. I uh, was an English major and I settled on that instead of psychology. So you can look back on a journey and you can look at the physical journey or you can look at the spiritual journey and be like, okay, exactly how did this unfold? It wasn't, to answer your question, my plan and what I set out to do, but I came upon it as a result of what you and I and many listeners out there probably know to be the dark night of the soul and spiritual awakening. And I started going through my dark night of the soul, my initial one, the biggest one, uh, in my 20s in Los Angeles. And through that journey and that path through awakening, it led me to a point of surrender. I became hyper aware in my studies of psychology of the dark night of awakening, I became hyper aware that there was this other way to be, this way that I knew in my heart and soul that I was longing for, and I could not attain on my own in life, and that nothing that I could do was going to get me there or take me there or fulfill that. It's what I often refer to as the void and trying to fill that void and I actually made a short film about it when I was in Los Angeles exploring this before I even went into the heaviest part of my dark night of the soul. And so it was through that journey that I came to therapy and spiritual direction and guidance in general. Hypnotherapy came in later. And the specific way that I came to that was I was in talk therapy for quite a long time. And I love talk therapy. I recommend it for everyone. I'm still in talk therapy. But I got to a place, my struggle was, like I said, with dark night and spiritual awakening and anxiety, depression, and then what anxiety and depression, the effects that it has on you and what it causes, specifically with habits and patterns and addictions. Mine, I had many, but drinking and smoking cigarettes were definitely two of those cigarettes for my anxiety and drinking for my depression, as I used to think of it. And I was stuck in those patterns. And so I was in talk therapy for a while, and I knew for about the last six months that I had kind of hit a wall. I kind of plateaued in talk therapy. And I went into a session one day, and I spent, we spent the time talking, my talk therapist, she's a wonderful therapist, she's a wonderful woman, but we actually kind of role reversed somewhere during the session, and I was like, kind of like listening and talking to her as she was opening up about her life and then she kind of realized and she was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Do we need to switch seats? Like what's happening? And we just kind of had a laugh about it. And then at the end she looked at me and she was like, you know, you don't have to see me anymore. You're not suffering from anxiety. You're not depressed. You're not all of these things. And that was true. But like in my heart, I was like, yeah, but I'm still, I still have these issues. I'm still not free from these things. I still have these patterns and these thoughts and ways of being in the world that are not healthy and I don't like. I took that as my sign that my time with that person was finished and that I was to move on. And I didn't know where to go at first. And so I began just doing my own research and looking, and I just kept seeing the signs, whether it was online, whether it was on social media, on a park bench, like all these different aspects for hypnotherapy kept popping up until... I was like, okay, I'm going to take this as a sign. And I looked into it and I booked a session. And I remember I walked out of my very first session of hypnotherapy and I took a breath and I was like, wow, I feel like I just went through six months to a year of talk therapy in one single session of that. And okay, well, this is clearly the route for me now. And so I continued on the journey. And eventually, longer story short, it led to me giving up the work that I was doing and the path that I was on and going back to school and becoming a hypnotherapist myself once I saw what it had done in my life and other people's lives that I was seeing around me. So did it require a lot of openness for you to be able to get to that moment where you were like, okay, I think this is calling me? Or did you always have like a spiritual background where you are open, you're always open to opportunities? Yeah, that's a, that's a very pertinent question. And the answer is, I always had a spiritual background. And 
I know you are a huge fan of like Eckhart Tolle and uh, Michael Singer and these people. And I was reading those books like when I was in college and when they first came out in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And I I read, you know, things like The Secret and, and all of these different spiritual books all throughout my late teens and early 20s. So it was always there. But that began deepening as I grew older into my 20s until it became undeniable. It was low on the priority list and it kept just inching its way up my priority list until it made itself quite apparent that this spiritual journey is the time there is nothing else it's all under the umbrella of this spiritual journey it wasn't readily apparent i knew that i wanted to serve i knew that i was fascinated with psychology spirituality and personal development Uh, i was again like i said i was a podcast junkie uh, YouTube, books, uh, voracious reader, very much a fan of this genre of work. But it wasn't until I discovered where I ultimately went to school, the Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy, and I noticed the convergence of, as you and I are both Course in Miracles students and practitioners, I was already in that at the time and studying that work and allowing it to bleed into my life and my spiritual journey. And it just so happened that I discovered this school that was in my backyard at the time. And the leader of this school had his, had developed his own brand of of, uh, interpersonal hypnotherapy. It was his thing. Uh, Matthew Brownstein is his name. And he started this school and founded interpersonal hypnotherapy, which has its roots in A Course in Miracles and the philosophies and the theologies and the psychology behind that. And once that happened, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. So I started listening to, he has a conscious community. You can listen to all these videos online. I started just like plowing through it, just absorbing all of it. And they had an upcoming open house. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to that. I have to, I have to see what this is about. And once I sat in on that and I met who would later become my mentor and teacher, Danny Fox. I walked out of that and I literally walked out of the room. I said, this is it. I'm going back to school. This is where I'm going. And it was one of those, what we would say, divine moments where the answer is clear. The road is in front of you, which they don't happen very often in life. But when they do, you kind of don't even have a choice anymore. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, this is, this is it. Um, and it, it unfolded in that way for me. Yeah. So can you just differentiate, because I know as we've discussed, you've been through a lot of career changes. What was the difference between the feeling that you had when you were approaching your past careers and that present moment when you were like, this is it? Like, what was the difference in the feeling part of that experience for you? The longer answer would really pare down and get into this conversation of surrender to the spiritual path and coming from the love-based side of spirit and the fear-based side of ego and getting into the difference in what that entails and what that looks like. But without going that deep into it, when you're operating from the fear-based ego, the egoic lens, that consciousness, that mental construct that we have within the world, you're coming from a basis of fear. And you have these conflicts, these chains, these shackles that come up in your mind. And it directs you in all these different ways. And you have these second guesses and third guesses and fourth guesses. And you go back and forth. And when something is coming from the love-based side of spirit, it's just an openness. It's a flow. Just like when you're dealing with your chakras and the type of work that I do, especially like the throat chakra, Fear is a constriction. Love is openness. And so even in your decision making, when you pare it down and you really actually clear your mind, and this is something we do in hypnotherapy, clear your mind, that mental construct of the ego, and drop down into your heart space and actually feel into that and what's coming up and lean into the constrictions and question them. I guess the shorter answer for that would be it's an openness. It's a flow. There's an ease to it. That's not to say that there aren't decisions to be made and factors to go over and that there isn't hard work and this, that, and the other. 
But as far as that feeling that you're alluding to, there's an open ease and flow to it. It feels natural. It feels right. And that's where your intuition comes in. And other things that I was trying to pursue and doing, I never fully openly wanted to do it. It was always for the money or for the status. You know, especially in Los Angeles. I mean, this that's a town in an industry that's always on the go. When you meet people, wherever you are, it's always, oh, what do you do? And then immediately you're judged on your worth by what that answer is. And so there's always that agenda. And so you make decisions based on that agenda and so many other egoic consciousness agendas, right? This was an emptying out. When you make decisions from this place, and this gets into a conversation of what something you hear in the spiritual community a lot is, oh, this isn't serving me, or you know, that's not serving me, or this group of people, or that person not serving me. And that's fine. And I was there in my spiritual journey for a minute, but I steered away from conversations like that in my soul because when you surrender to that divine flow and you realize that that divine flow is love and you're surrendering your life to a life of loving service, you realize that there really is no self. Oh, well, this isn't serving me or this. It's like, no, I'm in service to life. I'm in service to flow. I'm in service to love. So what's in service of that? And how can I live and be in that flow, in that potential? Surrendering into that, realizing that there actually is no me to be in service to, that my life and my heart, that my love is about surrendering into what that is. Like Rumi said, this isn't about you becoming this or that. It's as far as burgeoning into love. The journey is about you removing all the obstacles that are keeping you from being the love of which you truly are. I love that answer because I've heard many times before in previous podcasts that I've listened to that life will support that which supports life. And so I'm sure a lot of listeners can agree that people like in my generation, millennials, they're having a hard time just even like fitting into the societal condition of what success is, what is accepted in the world, and really putting so much resistance and pressure on themselves to find that career or that lifestyle that works best for them that people will see as cool or valuable. And so when you say that divine orchestration comes with the feeling of openness, a lot of the times the ego will be so afraid of that and it'll shrink up into like a little ball and completely resist that. And when you know something's not for you, like you said, with your past careers, you didn't really feel like doing it. The only motivating factor was money or status or value so people can look at you as special. That's when we start to constrict. And I see that pattern in my life where I feel like I need to achieve things and there's so much resistance to achieve because I'm coming from a fear-based lens. But when things just work out, when you're totally in that surrender mode, what is meant for you divinely gets orchestrated right in front of you with this clear path that you don't even need to do anything. You just have to allow it to unfold in your life. And so I just really appreciated that answer because just like you, I, I don't like surface level conversations. And so whenever I meet a person, obviously coming from a higher perspective now, I see the Christ in them. I see the light in them. It doesn't matter where they are in their consciousness. I still ex extend that love to them without having to preach, but just be there to listen. But I always hear the same questions, you know, like, what do you do? What are you doing with your life? You can sense like the ego kind of judging right away. And so I think with us who's on this spiritual journey, especially when you're just starting out and you're going through the dark night of the soul. It's hard because you start to question your life and you feel like you need to seclude yourself from the world. And it's hard to relate to people when that's all they want to know. And that's, that's how far the conversations last is just like knowing your roles in this world and knowing more of what your ego is like. Well, the ego thinks it's difficult to have this closeness, this intimacy with another person, because 
most of the time it's ego and ego clashing. I think it's good to signify the fact that when you're starting out on this journey is to be kind to yourself, that it is a process. It's not just going to be an overnight thing where you, you realize you're the Christ, you realize you're the awareness behind your thoughts and that everything around in your world is suddenly going to change. There's a lot of work with what you need to take responsibility for yourself, but also not pressuring your, yourself to change your external circumstance so you can feel safe because we both know that security is an internal change. I just really love that answer because you're so clear about what does it feel like when God leads you? What does it feel like when the heart pulls you? And what does it feel like when the mind is controlling you? Um, And just coming back to the hypnotherapy stuff, I want to know what the difference is between interpersonal, clinical, and transpersonal therapy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, And I'll I'll keep it, you know, very simple. Clinical just being, you know, this the general term for when you're working in a clinical aspect with a client. And it's often associated with the medical or the psychological. And so in the work that I do, uh, it's work that I do with uh, weight loss, with smoking cessation, uh, with pain management, uh, with certain, of course, references from doctors, that type of thing. Anxiousness, depressive thoughts, PTSD, and all of these different aspects that you would associate with the clinical environment or with clinicians in general. What I tell people is like, it's more of the psychological and medical. Transpersonal, referencing a state of consciousness that's beyond your own personal consciousness, transpersonal, or in short term, the spiritual aspect of things. So the clinical is kind of like the more psychological, practical side. And you can work with many different types of people in many different ways. Transpersonal specifically kind of gears towards the bigger picture, spiritual, ethereal, esoteric kind of ideas behind everything. And this is where we get into different types of regressions, including like past life regressions and beginning with things that are very practical and then going even as far out as being like extremely into woo land, if you will. And so those are known within, of course, standard psychology. There's, you know, clinical psychology and uh, transpersonal psychology. Interpersonal, which is what I am most involved in and why I chose that school, because Matthew Brownstein developed it and it's his own thing. The story goes as he tells it, and I'm paraphrasing here, maybe even perhaps terribly, but the story goes for he had already been a practitioner, a therapist, and had even started his school. He was in deep meditation one day and he proposed the question to spirit, what is the true nature or essence of hypnotherapy? And for him, the answer was like, well, surely it must be transpersonal as a, you know, a deeply spiritual man that's very monk-like by his own words. And spirit answered him back, yes, but it's also interpersonal. And what he garnered from that and ultimately built was that of relationship. How I take that from him and his school and his teachings and into my career, interpersonal is about relationship because relationship is everything. You know, even in just our conversation earlier today, you were talking about a relationship with yourself. We're in relationship with life. We're in relationship with each other, family, friends, intimate partner, spouse. We're in relationship with the divine, with life itself, with the earth with the flow. We're in relationship to our past, our present, our future. Everything is about the nature of this relationship. And so it's about figuring out and finding the healing between the relationship that exists between all things and the through line of that one unified relationship is love. This is where, of course, ACIM comes into play, which is that there's one essential problem and one solution. And the one major essential problem is that we perceive that we are separate from God, the divine source, universe, ultimate reality, whatever you want to call it, life, if you're not into that. And that the solution is the awakening into the ultimate reality that we are not separate from all that is and that love. And that everything gets pared down to these two choices in life. Now, of course, under the umbrella of these two choices, 
a myriad billions, trillions, quadrillions of choices can be made. But ultimately, it does dial back to this one choice, which is fear or love. And getting and paring down our human experience to the heart of that and what that means on the subconscious and the conscious and the superconscious level and creating what is, in my perspective, to be true alignment. Because you were saying earlier, like the flow, the mind and the heart. Most of the time, those things are not aligned for most human beings. They certainly were not for me. But understanding what it's like to have your heart and your mind in alignment together and then have that aligned with the power that governs the entire existence, the power of love and living from that place and what that means and understanding what that alignment actually is and feels like and being able to touch and taste that and bring that out into the world. That's what interpersonal hypnotherapy is to me. Because as Mr. Brownstein teaches, it is a career, it is a vocation, it is a way to make a living and make money. And you can make handsome money at it, sure. But it's a lifestyle, it's a way of life. Just like A Course in Miracles, when you really get into it, as you know, it is a teaching, but it's not just a teaching. The teaching is, here's who you really are. Right. Oh, such a good answer. And I agree. I just wanted to highlight the importance of like relationships and what, what you were saying about interpersonal therapy, that where we learn all of these lessons are from relationships. I mean, you could learn a lot on your own, but where do you learn the most? Your relationship with your partner, your relationship with your job, how you identify in the world, and ultimately what you were saying on being able to get into that heart and mind coherence, like for the average person, that can sound like a total obstacle, you know, like it's something so far away from them. Like, how can you go from living in this conditional state of society to having your heart and mind in good relationship with each other? Like that sounds like such a freaking task, especially if you've been going through your life, having your mind lead you in making decisions. And we all know that like, if we look back in our past and see all of the moments that we've allowed our mind to lead our life, we know how much pain and suffering we experience through that. And so for the person who is not so experienced with this kind of work, where would you say they should start? Because like, we've been doing this for years. And especially having a spiritual background, me coming from a Catholic background, you kind of have a little experience with the quote unquote woo woo stuff. But for someone who doesn't know where to start, because there's so much information on the internet now, you know, everybody's a spiritual coach. Everybody wants to teach spiritual things. Everybody is a hypnotherapist, a meditation teacher. Where is the safe spot to begin? So it's not overwhelming that you would feel, that you see in your clients that actually helps them and gets them curious to keep going on this journey? Yes, absolutely. That is such an important question. To pretend as though that I have a sufficient answer for that in the general public would be a miss. So one answer is that it's different for each individual because we're all on our individual journeys. The second would be of course, to find a professional, whether that's online, however you would go about that, whether it's a therapist, a hypnotherapist, a coach, find somebody that has traveled that road before and not just somebody who's is online and looks really good and wants you to come join my three-month program for $4,444.44 and your life will be perfect and I can teach you to be a, no, like, That's fine. And there's no offense against those people do it. But if we're talking about deep, serious issues, trauma, ways of life and being and thinking, find a professional that can know and show you the way outside of that. The more esoteric answer, and this would be my answer really, is with yourself. Start with yourself. Start with self-inquiry. Start with self-study. Ask yourself the questions because that's how my journey started is through depression and anxiety, I realized I woke up one day and I literally went to my window in Los Angeles. I looked out and I looked at the world and I just 
said the question myself. I wasn't even thinking it. It just fell out of my mouth. I said, who am I? At the time, you know, I was in my late 20s and doing, and I was just like, who am I? What is this life? What am I doing? What does all of this mean? And I didn't have any of those answers. I'm like, I'm a grown man in my late 20s, like running around doing all of these things, but I don't even know who I am. And so that's one of the first exercises in the very first session that I work in a client is a client will come in. I actually have it right here and I have a card and it just says, I don't know on it. And I keep it right here on my desk. In a first session, a client comes in and they start saying like, oh, here's my problem and this and that, and they keep going on and on. And all of that's valid. And I love hearing it. Absolutely. But if it gets to be overwhelming, I just say, okay, slow down. Let's take a breath. Before we try to get to the answers of all of those things, first tell me, who are you? And usually within about four and a half minutes, they say those three words and hold up this card. And I say, don't you think it'd be a good idea if we start here? When um, a saint by the name of Mayor Baba, who claimed to be that spirit of Christ that's reincarnate in another figure, he says that in his, uh, in his book, God Speaks, he talks about what we often think is the Big Bang or the beginning of time, or as the Bible would say, God spoke into existence by let there be light, that the vibration of that was the essence that we know as the divine consciousness or God or source had the thought of who am I? Because duality created because we have to experience, right? In order to experience, we have to have an other than. And if God is this one unified consciousness, who am I has to be learned experientially, not just understood intellectually or conceptually, but God wanted to experience God's self. And so the God thought of who am I burst forth light. And that's why, you know, the Bible says, let there be light. And that's why we hear the cliche in spiritual circles, love light. Ra in the law of one talks about love, light, light, love. That's because love, God, source, expressed the divine, who am I? The divine question and the light, which we all are, is that experience. And that the expansion and contraction of the universes over and over and over again is actually the heartbeat of God experiencing itself over and over again in an infinite number of ways, as if we can actually even understand what the word infinite means. So technically, what you're saying is that we are the experience of God and that we are one with God because the experience cannot be separate from the experiencer. Just like when we have dreams, we cannot have dreams without the dreamer. So we are just extension of the divine. I think what you said about self-inquiry and starting off there, who am I? Such a powerful start. To begin with, you could just probably have a spiritual enlightenment just from asking that question. And a lot of the times when you're starting out on this journey, it's scary because you've thought of yourself as your roles in the world, as your name, as your background. And when that's kind of threatening to your ego, you freak out, you have an existential crisis. And so I agree that is a beautiful start into this spiritual journey because it can keep unfolding into greater depths as you go on in your journey. So coming back to hypnotherapy, who would you say are the type of clients that you attract in your work? Have you seen a pattern with the different people that you work with? Because I know you've probably met so many people from different walks of life, but is there like a prominent type of client that usually is attracted to you, would you say? Absolutely. And this was a surprise and a pleasant surprise because as you're going through school and as you're going through therapy, I mean, my hypnotherapist, my teachers, everybody, you know, they said this and it was absolutely true. If you're looking at the spiritual and like you were referencing the calling, I can look back now and trace and I can see exactly all the ways that I was led and guided to this point. And even the awakening, the breakdown, the rock bottoms, the deaths, the reap, all of it, and how it all led to this. As much as I value training and technique, and I have all of these different, you know, education, diplomas and certifications, blah, 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 all that. And I love it. And it's necessary. But honestly, 
the portion of me that's most helpful to people is the spiritual being having a human experience that went through hell and came to this point. It's just life experience that we all go through. That's not setting me apart or above. It's putting me inside and including me with the in the oneness with everybody else. And so they would teach that your experiences have dictated what you're going to do with that. And so my experiences, of course, were with mostly with depression, anxiety, and the effects of that, which for me was drinking and cigarette smoking and pot smoking and insomnia. And I do find that the majority of my clients are in some variation of that. Now, what I didn't expect is that what has come out of that is a larger percentage of my clients who have, which I didn't expect, the issue that I had. The larger percentage that all my clients have in common is they have been to other talk therapy, psychotherapy. They've been to some other thing and they haven't found help. They haven't found relief. They haven't found answers. And they had a, they've hit a wall. They've hit a plateau. And they don't know where else to go. And somehow they end up at me. This is important because I don't want to give the illusion here that my journey, like you were saying earlier, was overnight or that it was easy or like, oh, I went to the window and said, who am I? And then like, I figured it out the next day and like, here I go, I'm off to the races. No, that was the beginning. And as Father Richard Rohr says, the way and the truth in life, that's the path. But it tends to get a lot more difficult before it gets better because of that ego death process that you were talking about. So there were many deaths. There was many rock bottoms. I was a guy that I would literally, after that, I would drink, I would lean on my old conceptions because my ego didn't want to die. It didn't want to surrender. It didn't want to let go. It was holding on for dear life, kicking and screaming. And I had epic battles with myself and with God and ugly, brutal things that were happening. And I was a guy that would hit rock bottom and get up and dust myself off and look over the edge and be like, oh, what's down there? Here we go. There's a whole new bottom I can get to. I didn't know about this. And so, no, it wasn't. It was very brutal and bloody. But that is the pathway out of hell that leads up to light. And God uses that and fashions that in a person that is open to it and says yes to that and how it can help other people. And so, coming back to that original thought of where do people start? Start on that journey. So coming back to the kind of clients that you attract, you say it's mostly people who've kind of been on the same journey as you. Dark nights of the soul, awakening, hit rock bottom. Would you say that gender wise, would you say it's like equal? Do you attract more men or women? I don't find that I work better with anyone. I have found that the majority of my clients are and have been women although I'm definitely getting more and more men, and I'm very passionate about that. But one thing that I'm so happy about is there is not enough representation for LGBTQ, for BIPOC, and that representation in the therapeutic realm is getting wider and wider, and I'm happy about that. And for me, as an obvious straight, white, American male, and being in this space, that my client list is multifaceted women, men, LGBTQ, and multicultured, multi-ethic. And I love that. And I love that about my practice. And I love that about my clients. And I love getting to experience them and their oneness blended with me and how that feels. And specifically with women, it's been healing for me because I've had women come into this space and I literally just had a consultation a couple of days ago. And this lady was like, I'm going to be honest with you. No offense, but you weren't my first choice. I wanted an older woman and I went to her and it wasn't a good fit. And I went back and there was something about your picture that spoke to my soul. And I was like, that's a good answer. Let's explore that. I've worked with women in similar veins who later told me I didn't want to go with you at first because a lot of my issues are with men and I wanted a woman, but like I settled for you, I guess. <laughs> and they tell me later on, they're like, and I'm so glad I listened to that inner voice that said, go with you because you being a man and being in this space with me and going through this trauma with me and adding that male perspective has helped me heal 
my wounds with men and the things that have happened in these relationships. I work with a lot of women that have been through abusive and narcissistic relationships. And I've had that pattern in their life because of their upbringing and what's happened to them in their subconscious mind. And they're like, now that I've been through this, I could not have imagined going through it. Um, yeah, it's a spectrum and I love it. Yeah. And I think it's good to be inclusive of everybody and coming from a higher perspective too, with A Course in Miracle Teachings, which is what you base most of your work on, is seeing past how they look, seeing past their skin, seeing past the color of their eyes and who they are or who they think they are in the world and just seeing them as a Christ. We say namaste, the light in me sees the light in you. And when you come from that perspective, it's a total different intimate connection that you can get from someone who is just hitting the glass ceiling of you are different from me, you are separate from me. And with that kind of therapy, it's hard to go deeper in your subconscious because you're always going to be hitting that glass ceiling coming from that lens of separation. And so coming into my next question, you working with a lot of different people, especially with this deep trauma, somatic work, how do you remain unidentified or unattached with your work or with your clients, especially when it comes to not letting it affect you personally, your personal life, since you're working with different energies all of the time? A very simple answer to that would be that I have practices, of course, and I do the typical, I burn sage, I take showers. I'm fortunately, I live five minutes from a beach. I do saltwater ocean dips to cleanse. I have these kind of practices and rituals, mindfulness and meditation for sure. But a lot of it is also just practical. I schedule my time wisely. I schedule time between sessions and I have an understanding of my bandwidth and how I can best be of service and I don't overload myself. So yeah, there are tips and tricks and practices that I use. But the broader, more honest answer to that question comes from what you said, the spiritual, the calling, the dark night, the awakening, is that I was prepared and fashioned for this work. This work, and that is not at all setting me apart or elevating. It's not what I mean by that. It means that not this work isn't for everybody. Just like working on Wall Street isn't for everybody. Like I could, I could never do that. I can never be a Navy SEAL. I'm not cut out for that. But because I said yes to loving service in this therapeutic psychological way, I was then fashioned for this over a period of time. And there are people that I know that I went to school with. They no longer do this because they got into client loads and they were like, I just, it's too much energy. It's too much. I mean, when you have a client load of people around the holidays that are in various stages of crisis, it's a lot. And so it's not for everybody. But if it is something that you feel called to in your spirit, you can fashion that and you can learn ways to take care of yourself and set yourself up for that success. And remember at the end of the day to surrender and let go and trust that source that sent you. Yeah. It's like, what is meant for you God will always prepare you for it. You know, looking back to your career paths in the past, your past relationships, even in my own life, I have now all of these resources and that I have an, under my toolkit to just use whenever a trigger comes up. And it's like, whatever you're faced in that moment, you're prepared to do so because you surrendered into the divine orchestration. And so whenever we feel like we're unprepared for something or not even just that, because we can always feel unprepared for something, but when we feel like we're heading towards something that is not meant for us, we'll inherently know because we'll feel it. Whereas if we're walking on the path of God, the path of love, life will support you because inherently you are going to support life or you are already on that journey. And coming back to studying different spiritual texts, A Course in Miracles, or anything else within that kind of language, I really like that language. There's just something about it just hits you that you know is, is true. And you can never really explain what true is. It's something that you just like feel within your bones. So coming back to those teachings, A Course in Miracles, and other books within the same language, what are 
some spiritual principles that you use in relation to your work? Yes, fantastic question. And I'll try to keep this one more brief because we've talked about a lot of this. But as you know, ACIM, of course, and as you and Joe know, I am a huge fan of Way of Mastery and a big proponent of that work. And so for anyone listening that may be interested, check out Way of Mastery. And anyone is free to message me about any of these works. But these teachings of oneness of unity consciousness that is based on love, getting back to the heart of that, what that means and what that means for people. Just like I'm not the greatest social media user out there. I'm trying to be better about it. But going into this year, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to start at square one and I'm going to start doing series. And I'm going to start with that question, who am I? Starting right after New Year's. And I'm going to go through the whole year and go through that whole process in a series of short videos, starting with who am I and going through what would be a year's worth of a transformational journey. And so using Way of Mastery and Course of Miracles, different Christian, mystical, Catholic, Buddhist principles, deep spiritual teachings and life teachings on what this means. And I'm very passionate about, like you were saying earlier, there's something about the truth that just slaps it a little bit differently, right? Jesus said, I am the way and truth and life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. What did he mean? If he did, in fact, say that, did he mean that that was by being a Christian or a Catholic or being a certain? No, because Christianity and Catholicism didn't exist then. What was he meaning? Well, that quote is taken from the book of John, the gospel according to John, which is known as the spiritual gospel. So what we have there is the Christ talking, the same Christ that comes through A Course of Miracles, the same Christ that comes through Way of Mastery and other channelings. It's that universal Christ, as Richard Rohr writes about in his magnum opus. So what is that? What does that mean? What does that mean for your life? What does that mean for your soul? What does that mean for your journey, your family? And really diving in and using that language to explore that with people and getting people to the heart. Mm, I love it. And um, the Christ is in all of us. Some people think it's like, especially, I, I'm not going to bash talk religions because they all serve a purpose. But the idea of the Christ being separate from us is what causes all of the suffering. Because we think that there's something out there that's going to save us. We think that something out there is more special. Therefore, we are like the peasants of the world who is going to be judged whether you go to heaven or hell. When heaven and hell is available right now. And we talk about repetition and consistency in our session earlier today and how important it is it just becomes who you are. Like you just become this living embodiment of truth and no one knows what truth is. Only you will ever know that. And when you become and embody those qualities, then you emit this beautiful light frequency that eventually makes a huge impact on anyone who comes across you. While obviously doing all of this work on your own and thinking that, you know, you could probably do these things by yourself closed in your bedroom, you know, without getting any help, reading these spiritual texts can catalyze that journey. If you're someone who's not open yet to hire coaches, to hire hypnotherapists. And so if you're like a book nerd, we both definitely recommend The Way of Mastery and A Course in Miracles. And I love that you bring that into your work because that is like the essence of how you change your life, how available it is to you to change your perception to think differently about how you see others, how you see yourselves and your relationship with life. For my next question, from someone who has many deaths and rebirths, I mean, especially if you're on this journey, we constantly die every day and we awaken to greater depths of our essence, which is love. What is your message to those who are in the in-between of letting go of their past beliefs whether religious or not, and transitioning to a completely new perspective in life. It's hard to sum that up so very briefly because it's such a complex way of working. But if I had to, it would be wrapped up in the word surrender. There's two other great sources, great books 
by David Hawkins, Healing and Recovery and Letting Go. Also very good sources when you're starting on your journey. Throwing that out there too. But surrendering to the process, surrendering to life, surrendering to love and to who you are. It's not easy. In fact, the ego is going to fight it all the way. And my journey was so much longer and more intense than it had to be. My suffering was so much deeper than it needed to be because I was fighting, because I was resisting, and I didn't surrender. And a lot of my deaths were, it were just repeated patterns of taking me deeper and deeper into what surrender actually was and is until I got to a point where, like we were talking earlier, it's now a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It's a spiritual practice that I do daily because, you know, like the Apostle Paul writes about in the New Testament, who had the ultimate Damascus Road coming to Jesus experience. I mean, coming to Jesus is named after his experience, right? But even he said, you know, paraphrasing poorly here, of course, I have all of these things that I know to not do, yet I do them anyway. And I have all these things that I know that I should do and want to do, and I don't do them. It's the craziest thing. But I have to die daily to myself. And that self is the lowercase s self, the egoic self. And surrendering to that Christ self that is inside. Because he also said that we are hidden with Christ in God. And that when we actually surrender that false self, as Jung called it, and live out that Christ self, who we truly are, the soul, not the ego, or as Paul called it, the flesh, when we're living that out, that's where we find the truth and the way and the life. That is the Christ or the Buddha or the soul, whatever, however people want to phrase that. And so leaning into and letting go and going on the process of surrender and along that pathway, the road out of hell up to heaven is paved in forgiveness. The cornerstone of my work is centered on forgiveness. Forgiveness for people in our past, people that have hurt us. And forgiveness does not mean that they're getting away with something or that, you know, no. Forgiveness is for us, essentially. It helps us to let go from a place of love. And so forgiveness and ultimately surrender and working that leads, in my experience, to the freedom, which is the truth, which is love. And to add on that too, a lot of people think surrender is just giving up, like we talked about before. Yeah. But surrendering is actually allowing the divine consciousness to live through you without any resistance because you have this deep trust in the unknown this deep trust in god that you're not gonna keep achieving and and keep doing because like you said it delays you from the path that is actually meant for you and the allowance is what the ego is very scared of because it's no longer in control when you allow things to happen and that's a scary path to take but it's the most rewarding and sometimes we do need to follow the ego, you know, to self-sabotage and go through all these trials and difficulties to break us down to a point where we have nothing left but to surrender. And I used to think that that's that I used to think to myself when starting on this journey is like, I don't know if I had enough traumas to be enlightened. I learned that starting this work at such a young age that you don't have to go back or go to rock bottom in order to awaken that you can start where you are right now and allow the goodness and, and the spirit of God, Holy spirit to work in your life. And so, yeah, surrender can, can mean a lot of things to different people, but essentially the surrender we're talking about is the allowing of, of divine orchestration to work through you. And in return, thing, you're just letting life live through you. And we can go deeper on non-doership, but that's another episode for another day. And just to close on the surrender thing, um, in our hypnotherapy session today, we talked about my perception of surrender as sometimes being an unsafe thing. 
and in my life and the times that I consciously surrendered, like my relationship and living in New York now, you know, that all came very effortlessly. And through telling myself all of this evidence that surrender actually means good, the other side of that, the other polarity of that, of surrendering control for allowing something else to lead my life can also be a very scary thing because of what happened to me in my childhood and like past traumas that I wasn't consciously aware of. And it took a lot of subconscious work and inner child healing and shadow work and being really vulnerable with how my triggers affect me. It's a continuous work that can be very difficult because for someone who's been operating with their mind and not their heart, surrender seems like the stupidest thing that you could ever do. You know, and we say to each other as well, or I said to you that surrender can feel like the hardest thing ever, but it's actually so easy that to the ego, it becomes difficult. It's so easy that it's hard. And so for someone who's going into more of a surrender work, because I think life is just all about surrender and letting go. What is something that you can tell them, whether they are overachievers or people who have been operating from their mind and not their heart? What is something that you can tell them that may help ease that discomfort of seeing surrender as an unsafe thing? The first thing that pinged in my spirit when you were saying that is first the analogy uh, and easy just to put a picture to it. If you were in the river and in a current and you turn and you're swimming against that current, against the rapids, it's going to be difficult. You're going to paddle and struggle and fight and breathe. Then when you realize like, oh, this is just water and riverbanks, and trees, and it's the same on both sides. What would happen if I just turned around and stopped waving my arms around and just allowed it to flow, allowed it to carry me? Much easier, right? Much more open, much more flowing. Now, this doesn't negate taking action and hard work. If you want to go somewhere, even within that flow, you have to swim, you have to keep yourself afloat, you have to, you know, there is action to take and, and but it's, there's a difference, right? There's a flow. Just like you said. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Please tell me. But you just referenced, you know, your own struggles. And like we talked about this morning, but we also pointed out your relationship, your marriage, your house, where you're at now, which one was open and flowing and which one, what of those was constricting. And now you have a home and a marriage and a relationship and a life that fills your heart, right? And you've gone on that journey. And that's why the tagline for my business, if you will, is heal your heart, renew your mind, transform your life. It starts with your heart and healing that. You can get on YouTube and these other places and find uh, Gaia channel has these as well. Find some very general hypnotherapy. And I'm going to start putting a lot more of this on my YouTube channel as well. You can do in the safety of your own home by yourself online. Um, developing a meditation practice on your own, I very highly recommend. And also doing a combination of subconscious reprogramming yourself, which is meditation combined with affirmations. Creating and speaking out your affirmations. And you can literally record these with the device on your phone. Record yourself repeating. Make out a list of 10 affirmations that you want to achieve in life, who you are what you want to get past. Say those three times each and record them on your phone. Take your phone to the meditation cushion, your pillow, whatever your space is, and play those as you drop down into meditation and let those sink into your subconscious mind. Because as we talked about, the reprogramming is about what? Repetition and consistency. And so that's my recommendation is to reprogram these things from your past, from your childhood. Do it daily. Paul said, I died daily. That surrender, that meditation, that repetition, it literally reprograms the mind. I have people that come to me about smoking. They smoke a pack a day. And they're like, 
I can't even, you're not going to do anything. I can't even imagine giving this up. I can't even imagine. I've been smoking for 40 years. I love it, but it's killing me. And my doctor says I have to quit. I'm like, okay, well, stick with me four weeks. We'll see where we're at, but do exactly what I tell you to do. That's what I need from you. Agreement to do exactly what I tell you to do. And then four weeks goes by. Uh, I smoked eight cigarettes today, and on my sixth one, I actually put half of it out, and I thought about it, and I actually want to quit smoking, and I can see that happening. Why? The reprogram. Subconscious mind, it works on these patterns, and they keep clicking over, and you're fighting computer programs that are defunct. And that's the good news is that you can rewrite those. And in addition to that too, I think it's important to remind ourselves that the mind is a powerful tool that we can train. Like if you think about it, however you've been living your life up to this moment, you have trained your mind to work this way. This is how you're living. So if you can train your mind to work for you in a way that's healthy and that is spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically fulfilling, that's the kind of lifestyle you're going to acquire and the reality that you're going to have in your life. Absolutely. And if I may toss out one more resource here for the listeners, Dr. Joseph Murphy, his book, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And then he has videos, of course, on YouTube. This book will change your life and it will give you tons of things to think about, to do, practices. Each chapter ends with notes that you can reference. This book and his teachings will change your life. And of course, this is the power of your subconscious mind. And this taps into what you were saying, which is the old adage of the mind, it makes a beautiful servant, but a terrible master. And people waking up to the fact that your heart, your soul can govern your mind and not the other way around is the power that you can take back in your life. Well, that was a lot. And I appreciate all the resources that you put out there because for some people, a book is enough. And for me, it started with The Power of Now. One book changed my life, got me to ask the questions, who am I? And that kind of unraveled out on its own. So I appreciate you um, sharing those resources and your time for today. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about a lot of different things. And I feel like we could talk about this stuff forever. There's definitely, and there should be a part two to this because there's so many more things that we can dive into, but for the sake of fitting hypnotherapy, all things awakening into one session, I think we could close out with this. And so I just want to deeply express my gratitude for your time, for our sessions together Aaron, you have been such a light in this world and just the way you serve, you can tell that you really do come from the heart and your, your commitment and devotion to helping people. I can just feel your, your light illuminating all around the people that you come across and, and through your work. I constantly watch your videos and they're very valuable. And I just want to share that with you because I see you and it empowers me to keep doing this kind of work to know that I'm not alone in this, that I don't have to save the world myself or save the world in general, but just generally share that you're not alone and that there are people out there who are willing to help you. And not everyone may be for you, but if you resonate with a certain type of teaching, like I know you and I can encourage them to follow that because this awakening journey, it can be challenging, but it's the most rewarding thing you can ever do in your life because that is the purpose we have in this life is awakening. And so just much gratitude for you. And if you just want to share uh, where we can find more of your work. Um, really quick, just a heartfelt gratitude towards you, not only for this time, uh, which I very much thank you for, but for your words there, you're trying to make me cry now and I'm not going to be having it on this podcast. I want to save that for after the podcast. So go have a cry. But it means so much coming from you as someone uh, who has been a friend and a mentor and a guiding voice on in your socials and on this podcast. And my dear friend and your now husband, both of you just being people that I love and cherish so deeply. Thank you for your light in my life and in this world and the work that you do. Yeah, so you can immediately get in touch with me at uh, on my website and read more about me and what I do and also contact me uh, through email there. And that is 
aaronsjustice.com. Uh, my Instagram handle is also the same thing, at aaronsjustice. My TikTok is aaron.justice. And my YouTube is um, Justice for All. Uh, you can probably type in my name and find that, which I'm going to be building out YouTube more as we go along. But yeah, those are just a, a few of the places you can find what I'm doing. If you want to check more of Aaron's work, you can visit the show notes and links to his socials and his website. I can personally tell you that everything he delivers has so much free, valuable content that can serve you in so many different ways. So I highly encourage that in case you want to learn more and just generally learn more about him as well.